Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Matt Harmon, joined today by Scott Pianowski, who, Scott, you, you joked uh, when we were scheduling this particular podcast, um, I believe the Devontae Adams news either happened right before or shortly after. Uh, you joked on our email thread with our producer, John, that by the time we recorded this podcast, Devontae Adams to the Raiders would be like a minor footnote. Uh, you're basically, I mean, it's going to be a big chunk of what we talk about here, but you're basically correct because I feel like about 4,000 things happened between now and then. But anyways, I appreciate you joining me here to break all of this down. Yeah, you know, for sure. It's always fun to talk about it. And that's the NFL news cycle, right? I mean, we couldn't even have the, the March Madness uh, reveal show without Tom Brady coming back a couple. And that feels like it was a month ago, right? It was just a couple weeks ago. So there's much to discuss. Uh, hello and let's do it. Well, yeah, let's dive right in. Yeah, the NFL has given a big middle finger to March Madness in the entire process here. <laughs> they even they maybe let MLB like have a little celebratory moment uh, with the lockout ending. And then boom, it was like Aaron Rodgers news and everything else. The NFL demands our attention at all times. So let's give it a little bit of attention here over the next hour. As I mentioned, the Packers have traded. Devontae Adams to the Raiders. The Packers receive a 2022 first round pick and a second round pick from the Raiders. Obviously, Scott, the like this was one of those moments where it paid to be uh, on Twitter, which is a free service, but it paid to be on Twitter because you could kind of follow the the news as it trickled out because, you know, at first glance, it's like Aaron Rodgers must be furious. But then we find out that, you know, Green Bay offered more money. Um, Aaron Rodgers was, you know, uh, kind of in the loop with all of this, which makes sense given what happened last off season. But this was basically a situation where Adams Wanted to play with his college quarterback uh, in Derek Carr. He bought a home in Las Vegas. You know, he wanted to play for the team that he has some ties to uh, there with the Raiders. So this was just kind of a decision where Adams was done with the Packers based on kind of how those contract negotiations fell apart, even dating back to last offseason. What was your initial reaction besides the shock that the best wide, I think objectively the best wide receiver in the NFL is now changing teams? Yeah, a lot to unpack here. First of all, just as a football fan, Sad that the the chemistry between Rodgers and Adams, which is just poetry, yeah, is gone. Now it's just a memory, and we have all the films and the tapes and the stats to watch. And now, granted, obviously Adams and Carr played together at Fresno State and put up pinball numbers. I had forgotten. I, I knew that they played together at Fresno State, and I knew Carr played well enough at Fresno State to be a second round pick. Same with Adams. 
I'd actually forgotten that Adams had a 24 touchdown season and 38 touchdowns in two years. I, I know we're not talking about maybe the big 10 or something here, but that you put up those numbers anywhere that, that says something Now that goes back to 2012 and 2013, but uh, it's just, you, I had to remind myself that Adams didn't do this spitefully. This is, as you said, this is where Adams wanted to be. You know, he's got his college buddy, he's got his house, uh, Vegas, one of the advantages that the Raiders get when they move to Vegas is it's a destination for a lot of people. I mean, to actually live and then set up, they get the new stadium and everything. Now the AFC West is bananas. And there, there's a, a part of the analysis we can't do right now because we know Green Bay is not going to settle for the depth chart they have. I don't know if they'll pick up scraps in free agency. I'll see if maybe they'll come up with a trade some, somewhere. I think finally, after years of, of passing, of th- thumbing up their noses at great receiver classes, they're finally going to have to dip their toe, I would think. And of course, you know, part of the return was the draft pick. So you would think we, we can't really say right now. It's like, oh, wait, what's Aaron Rodgers going to do? I mean, Alan Lazard doesn't have a Pro Bowl season in him, but right. we know that Green Bay's depth chart is going to look a lot different in pretty short order. So we'll see what happens with that. I think it's just, I'm curious what you think. I think it's just a tiny step back for Adams. I think you still think he's a first round pick. But if you were like, oh, Adams or Jefferson, I'm not sure, or Adams or you know, somebody else, I'm not Adams or Cup, I'm not sure. I think this is enough of a tiebreaker to push Adams down. I still think he's a first round pick, though. Yeah, I wrote the recap for this when it happened, uh, and I com- almost said exactly what you just said about Adams specifically in Las Vegas, which is Adams in Green Bay would have been my number one wide receiver on the board this year, even ahead of Cooper Cup. Like I think, because again, the the chemistry that you mentioned, I'm so glad you brought up that point. Like that was my first reaction too. Was just like, damn, you know, when you get again, I think Rogers, two time MVP consecutive. He's playing at the height of his powers. He's playing like, you know, one of the three best quarterbacks in pro football right now. And I I said, and I believe this, that I think it is like unarguably objectively that Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL. And and anybody that wants to make the argument like, well, Adams is only a product of uh, of Aaron Rodgers. Like they're just telling on themselves that they're either a, they don't watch football or B not very good at watching football. So um, you can throw those arguments. Like some opinions can be safely ignored. That is one of them. So I think Adams, again, standalone player, the best wide receiver in football right now, there are no weaknesses to his game. I'm bummed that that, that connection is going to uh, no longer be in our lives. But moving to Las Vegas, I think you could actually, again, it's a quarterback downgrade. Again, another thing that I don't think you can argue, obviously Carr is not Aaron Rodgers, but you got to remember too, Scott, the last three years under Matt LaFleur, like the Packers have kind of run this slow conservative offense. Um, They were actually 24th in pass attempts, uh, I believe in 2020. So like, this is a unit that isn't playing like the LA Rams or something like that. I think Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas will bring a much more pass first approach that we know that new England liked to play with a lot of pace when they had a non cam Newton or non rookie quarterback there. So I think there's actually a chance that the overall volume of this offense can help offset some of the problems that Adam's going to have going from Rogers to uh, Derek Carr to the point that I agree with you. I still think that, you know, I, I, I take Cooper cup over him now. I, I think I probably take Justin Jefferson over him, but I think Adams will probably be either wide receiver three, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, somewhere there for me as well this year. Yeah, I, I think we're pretty much on the same page with all that stuff. And I, I'm also curious to see, you know, J- Josh McDaniels in his second go round. Now, remember, you know, his his path right now is kind of the Bill Belichick path in the sense that he he goes to his first head coaching job, has a little bit of success 
runs a little bit too hot, flies a little bit too close to the sun, and gets ushered out. I, I know the Belichick <laughs> situation in Cleveland in part disintegrated because of that final season they were in Cleveland, then you know, the team's moving to Baltimore. Sports Illustrated had picked the Browns to go to the Super Bowl that year. So that's the, the franchise looked like it was in pretty good shape. A year later, everything falls apart. Uh, the, the city gets the franchise ripped from them. And, you know, of course, we'll be talking more Cleveland football in a minute, which is a, a big story. But so McDaniels, right, you know, much like Belichick, a little bit of success, runs a little bit too hot, gets ushered out of town. So now this is his, and then, you know, of course, the the brief, just like Belichick, right, the brief dalliance with the Jets for Belichick, the brief dalliance with the Colts for McDaniels, gets cold feet, jilts him at the altar. So now it's, it's you're right. Final. It is very, when you look at it, it obviously they're not like there's a couple years between the Colts and McDaniels and everything like that, but it is really stri- like strikingly similar paths. Right. And, and, you know, championships as a coordinator, uh, although I, I think history probably thinks more of Belichick as a defensive coordinator, does McDaniels as an offensive coordinator. But the bottom line is, you know, Josh McDaniels has plenty of mantles and plenty of jewelry in, in his jewelry box. So, so what's he stepping into now? Derek Carr, above average quarterback, Darren Waller, outstanding tight end hunter renfro just had a breakout season adams now look into an age 30 season right i mean you know maybe maybe it's not vintage adams but who wouldn't want javante adams at least at the beginning of this contract we'll see how he ages into the five-year deal but i think everybody expects a great football season from Devonte adams and what a fun division i know this has said, been said a million times so no new ground here but you know the, the Chiefs, what seven straight playoff uh, berths? I want to say, which is far and away the, the, the most successful NFL franchise as far as just being competitive. Andy Reid, in my mind, is already in the Hall of Fame. Denver just pushed in all their chips with Russell Wilson. We know how exciting the Chargers are, and they're adding pieces all the time. I every one of these games can be a standalone game for me. Uh, whoever is the worst team in this division still might be nine and eight or something. I mean, I, I think there's an outside chance. It's just hard for the math to work, but I think it's an outside chance. Maybe all four teams make the playoffs. I expect that at least three teams will. And and past all that, what do we want, Matt? We want interesting teams, right? We want storylines. We want things that are fun to draft into, things that are fun to break down. All four t- teams are, the, are, are a blast in this division, and I I can't wait to see them go, go for it. And, you know, some people are like, well, what are the Raiders doing? They're paying too much money and, and, and cars not to the level of these other quarterbacks and all that. But you know what? T- they're taking a swing. Yeah. The odds the odds of anything working in the NFL, I think, are probably negative EV. But if you don't do anything, you're, you're never going to be good. So at least they're taking a shot. They found a star player who wanted to be there. They have a, a guy, a coach, who's trying to recycle his image. We'll see if he can do it. We'll see if he's learned something, you know, if he maybe is more player friendly this time around or doesn't, you know, try to dictate some of the things like he did in Denver. They're taking a shot. And I, I respect that because if you don't take a shot, then what are you? You can just be mediocre and you can just kind of be a nondescript six win team, seven win team, eight win team, never do anything. I, I don't think anybody's picking the Raiders right now to win this division, but they just went to the playoffs and they look interesting as hell. And that's all I can ask for a team is try, you know, we see in baseball right now, there are teams that are taking their their money and saying, okay, we, we get the revenue sharing money. Let's just put it in our pocket and win 65 games. We don't care. At least the Raiders are taking a swing. And that's all. That's what life's about. Take a swing. Get in the game. You know, give yourself a chance. 
Right. They signed Chandler Jones too to kind of like so many teams in this division have a great one two punch at pass rusher, right? Like Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, uh, Randy Gregory uh, up there is added to uh, the Denver Broncos. Obviously, Chris Jones and Frank Clark, you know, Frank Clark, whatever, in KC. Like now, uh, you know, the Raiders have their pass rush duo over there. And I completely agree with you. I hated the analysis of like, well, even after this. To, even after this trade, you know, the, the Raiders are still the fourth best in team, di- team division. Well, what do you want them to do? Like, just quit? Like, not try? Like, yeah, this division's going to be tough. You got to make a big swing to go try and win it. And I also hate that it's like, well, you trade two picks and you give this big contract to a 30-year-old receiver. It's like, no, it's this 30-year-old receiver is, again, the best receiver in the NFL. I think, again, objectively, I can't say it enough. So if I'm a Raiders fan, I love this move. I love that the team is going for it. And this offense on paper looks awesome. I think that Adams is a transformative player. He's one of these rare receivers who actually gets a ton of extra attention. Um, you know, obviously, he's going to take a huge chunk of the volume, potentially away from Darren Waller, potentially away from Hunter Renfro. But Hunter Renfro was awesome in the red zone last year. I still think he could score a ton of touchdowns especially as teams you know kind of send that extra attention to Devonte adams i think it's good news for this entire raiders offense love the trade i think we're on the same page all the way around about it all right let's move to uh the item that immediately kind of usurped the Devonte adams trade which is obviously uh, as expected deshaun watson uh is traded away from the houston texans he go- ends up going to the cleveland browns uh you know a ton of draft picks get traded back here you know including three first round picks to the houston texans Look, obviously, Deshaun Watson, it's a complicated discussion, right, Scott? Because there's a ton. It's, it just feels gross, right? I, I can. I feel like I'm comfortable saying that it would felt gross the way this was covered, almost like a um, like a lottery winner, whoever was going to win Deshaun, the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes or whatever. It's like there's still so much going on here, and there's still so much grossness back and forth here and the fact that you know the browns end up again quote winning this sweepstakes here they had to you know sell their soul basically to do it right like they give watson this fully guaranteed contract the the fact that they slashed his base salary down to one million dollars this year in the event to protect themselves from a suspension you know it just like we went out of our way it's what i and look i'm a person who believes in second chances and all that stuff but like Watson basically got everything he wanted out of this. You know, he got out of Houston. That was what he originally wanted pre any of the sexual assault, uh, sexual, uh, you know, misconduct allegations. He got that. He got this massive contract. And now he's playing on a team that is much, much better than the one he left in Houston. You can't talk about just the football part of it. You can't just talk about the off field part of it. You kind of have to talk about both. So, Scott, you know, where do you, where do you want to take this thing? Because I, I agree. It feels very, very weird to talk about Watson. Yeah, it does. And one thing we talked about briefly before we started the show is that Cleveland gets the black eye of, okay, they added Watson, what price glory. They won a bidding war. There are so many, there are maybe as many as 13 teams that inquired about Watson. And we know the Falcons and Saints, I believe, were two of the teams that were really in there making a strong pitch. So it's not like Cleveland is the only team that shrugged at this and said, well, this guy's still a dynamite franchise player. We'll live with everything else. I mean, a lot of teams in the NFL are fine with that. And and this is part of what we deal with as NFL fans, as NFL analysts is, you know, sometimes there can be ambivalence because, you know, there's a lot of guys in the NFL doing great things and, and doing charity work and, and, and really you know, empathic, wonderful human beings. And, and some people aren't 
And the NFL has shown us that if you're still really, really good, they'll look past a lot of stuff that you can do that is unsavory. And, and this is just another example of that. And, you know, I, I as much as I, I want to say, I, I want to thumbs down Cleveland for doing this. It's like, you know, again, what price glory, I, I don't want to make it seem like they're an isolated case in the NFL. This is an NFL issue. And, and I, I would say an NFL problem that, how how talented you are and how much you can help a team win can really kind of whitewash through what may, might be going on in other parts of your life. So uh, the Browns have to live with this. I it's just it's just, yeah, just strange. To, just I mean, to just to hammer the point there, the athletic uh, Jason Lloyd wrote the piece in the Athletic that I read this last night that thirteen teams inquired about you know talking to Watson. He narrowed it down to the list of four. That was Cleveland. Carolina, Atlanta, and New Orleans. And uh, obviously, so those four teams got the opportunity to really send a package back to Houston. But 13 teams, uh, the Colts were one that wanted to talk to him. Uh, and he, obviously, the Texans said no. So, you know, as you said, I don't, Cleveland's going to get the brunt of this and they totally deserve the PR mess that's going to come from this and all the questions. And that, you know, I, that's a big thing to me is that. I want to see what Deshaun Watson has to say about this. I want to see what, you know, Kevin Stefanski and all these guys are going to have to stand next to him and be like, this is our guy. And there's still a ton of outstanding questions about that. I want to see what they have to say about it. But all those other teams, you know, David Tepper and the Panthers, they'll never have to answer to that. Uh, There was a team that Jason Lloyd said in that athletic piece that went back to uh, Watson's agent in his camp, like, hey, why didn't you give us a chance to match this contract? So there were other teams out there willing to do what the Browns did. The Browns just had the op- were the ones that got the opportunity to do it. Right, and, and they had to kind of sweeten their package because at one point it looked like Watson had said, no, you know, I'm yeah. all set with Cleveland, and and the Browns came back with, with a better situation. And remember, too, I think everybody knows this, but I'm just going to underscore it. Quarterback is the one position that's different in sports. It's the most important position in sports. And when you go to a team as a starting quarterback, you are literally the face of the operation. You know, it's not, no matter how great Aaron Donald is, he isn't necessarily the face of the Rams. It's always going to be the quarterback and sometimes the head coach and stuff like that. These are the guys who define who you are. And so now the Browns are defined by Deshaun Watson for better, for worse. And, and you know, I, one of the really strange things about this, we touched on it briefly last week with Liz and I is that it? this whole situation kind of made me feel bad for Baker Mayfield. Now, Mayfield had a terrible season. He was hurt pretty much the whole year. And then it just became almost like a, a Family Guy episode where it's like, okay, <laughs> Baker Mayfield had more commercials on a given Sunday than, than he did good plays or good throws. You know I mean? Yeah, right. It's like, okay, uh, Baker Mayfield throws a pick. Here's a, we go to commercial. Here's a Baker Mayfield commercial, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I, I was kind of, you know, he became, I, I admit, I probably took some of the low-hanging fruit and made a Baker Mayfield joke here or there. But now it's like, they're going to usher him out of town. He's probably going to be traded. You know, he might get a ham sandwich trade the way Gardner Minshew did. I think, I think I'll tell you what, I know the Colts already got Matt Ryan. I thought he would have been a great fit in Indianapolis. I, I would take a chance on Baker Mayfield. I think buying him on, on the low side would be a good move for somebody. And, you know, I, Cleveland look famously, they've never been to a Super Bowl. I'm old enough to remember the eighties teams, you know, the Kosar teams. I, I, I saw the, the drive against them, the fumble, Ernest Beiner played his, tail off in that game by the way he was fantastic and and if he scores it only ties the game a lot of people think that if Biner scored the Browns would have won that that was set, set setting them up to tie that game but uh obviously they lose their franchise and they haven't had much success since although they did win a playoff game in Pittsburgh a couple of years ago they had that one Derek Anderson year they had a Kelly Holcomb season that was fun but 
you know, Cleveland sports writer Joe Posnanski, he said you know, he's not he might just he writes the Browns diary. He's grown up with Cleveland. This is all red, right. I didn't mention red, right. 88, the Brian Sipe season, you know, Posnanski's thinking about just walk, walking away from the Browns and he feels guilty that he's given this fandom to his daughter. So I, I don't know if anybody out there is listening, who's a Cleveland person. I'm, I'm curious how you're processing it, but I have ambivalent feelings. I mean, you know, as, as a football player, you know, Sean Watson's great. I mean, the last time we saw him play, he was on a horrible Houston team. And he was the only thing that kept that team competitive. I, I, how is he going to play off a two-year layoff? But you, you can't have a Deshaun Watson discussion without just admitting that you, you we're human beings. And it, yeah. it leaves kind of a, a sour taste in your mouth that this is a guy who may have done some bad things. Now, to anybody who says out there these are allegations, I, I would I, – look, I'm not an expert in this field, but I, I just know what the data I've seen is just how often a woman get, does get assaulted and – a lot of times they're less likely to even press charges because the chances of getting a conviction are so slim. And um, these women have come out. Uh, the stories seem to collaborate. And, and there's, a, uh, there's even women who have shared stories who aren't pressing charges, who just want the story out there because they, they want their profession to be respected and they want people to know what's what's happened and everything. I, I think we have to show compassion and empathy and listen to these these voices. Yeah, extremely well said, because how we treat somebody that's this high profile that's accused of these things, you know, it's a trickle down effect. And that that is a huge, huge, you know, it has huge ramifications, you know, for all of this stuff. Like I said, it's it's one thing to give somebody a second chance. It's like it's another to have him, you know, get exact like again, everything that he wanted out of this situation. That is a little tough to swallow. Right. And um, look, I'm I'm not here to you know, tell, tell everybody how to feel about this. Like I'm not the, I'm, I'm not smart enough or qualified enough to be like uh, the, the arbiter of morality or whatever. Uh, I know for me, for me personally, it feels a little weird. Like, but you know, if you're a Browns fan that you're going to continue to support the team, like totally, if you're I, Mark Sessler, uh, one of the biggest Browns fans I know from the NFL, like he, he says he's, he's done with the Browns after this. Cause he just can't like, it's just not worth it. Right. Like the team already puts you through hell every single year. And now you got to deal with like this part of it too. So, you know, if you're, if you're swinging one of those different ways and you're a Browns fan, like I, you know, it's, it's your decision. Right. So I would say though, it just, it's just, and for the football discussion of it too, it's almost like, how can we really even analyze? Like, look, number one, it's no analysis, right? Like obviously Deshaun Watson makes the Browns a hell of a lot better than they would be with Baker Mayfield. Um, Deshaun Watson at his peak is worth all of these draft picks. If he didn't come with all of these questions, but he does come with all these questions. So like that part of it is, is obviously a, a huge, you know, it's a huge win for, uh, for, for Cleveland as a football team, that part's obvious. That's why they're, they're taking the gamble here that in three years, we're not going to talk about this stuff. That's why they, that's why they make this move, but it's also hard from like, you know, I don't even know that we can even have like a fantasy football discussion about this because we don't know how many games Deshaun Watson is going to play this year. Like when that news breaks, then we'll tell you like where to draft Amari Cooper, you know, then we'll tell you all that like stuff. But for now it just, I think you perfectly said everything there, and and that's just kind of where the discussion is right now. Cleveland moves forward with Watson. They move forward with this, you know, kind of cloud hanging over him and however long that hangs over him. And, again, I, I personally want to see, like, what does he have to say about this? Like, the, what you know, what does he have to say to these accusations and everything? Um, because he's going to be in the public eye now, and it's going to continue to hang over this entire team. So that will be um, an interesting story to follow. Let's talk about the the kind of the trickle-down effect here for for the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, the rest of their quarterback room. 
You mentioned Baker Mayfield. They don't trade Baker yet, but they have traded Case Keenum to the Bills. I I love that move. You know, the Browns receive a seventh round pick. He's going to be their backup quarterback. Great stuff there. You know, they replaced Mitchell Trubisky with Case Keenum. Love Case Keenum as a backup quarterback. He continues to move around the NFL. He's going to play for every single team. He's going to collect all them checks. The Baker thing, if you can divorce the obvious hypocrisy from, you know, the, the, the comments that leaked out about them wanting an adult in the room, and then they go and trade for freaking Deshaun Watson with all this stuff. If you can kind of set that to the side, it's pretty clear that Baker became kind of a divisive. Like, I don't think the team ever recovered from the divisiveness that was the Beckham versus Baker Mayfield sort of controversy in the locker room. You know, people, you brought this up too. People talk about the fact that he played hurt last year. I think that's what pissed off a lot of players, right? Is that, you know, they have a really, it's not as if they were going to go from uh, Baker Mayfield to some clown. Like they could have just sat Baker for a month, let him get healthy and they play Case Keenum. And this team is probably better off in 2021 had they done that so I think Baker burned a lot of bridges in Cleveland I think he just kind of irritates people with all of his his social media posting and all this stuff I, th- I think teams that, like it's pretty clear the NFL has soured on the Baker Mayfield experience which makes sense like when Baker's winning games for you and like he's brash and all that stuff it's fun but then when he's a average quarterback at best that needs a lot of propping up around him and then he plays hurt like I think now we're in this situation where he just doesn't have a lot of value out there I know one of the biggest mistakes you can make as an analyst is to fall in love with a a flawed backup quarterback and maybe I've done that with Gardner Minshew and I'll I'll just cop to it but I was surprised (laughs) that they so quickly and so I thought cheaply got rid of Case Keenum because Keenum has a history with Kevin Stefanski and I was one of the guys who was banging the table last year saying look a healthy Case Keenum is better than a hurt Baker Mayfield. Why don't you just, as you outlined, you know, get Baker right, get him on the sidelines, let him rest up, and let's try to go two and two with with Case Keenum. You know, I, yeah, I think that's a a big that's a Baker thing, right? Like, I mean, it's got to be sort of I, to me at least. It's like you know, you have to have the self awareness to be like, I, I'm not playing hurt anymore. I need to be until like finally weeks, you know, the end of, the end of the season. So yeah, I, I, but I agree with your point there. And when you say the phrase "adult in the room," I, that's why when when players players always want to play, right? You know, when, when Grady Little went to the mound to talk to Pedro Martinez in the 2003 ALCS, of course, Pedro Martinez says, oh, I'm fine. Leave me in, coach. You know, the, yeah. the pitcher's always going to say that. And, the, and the, the players, they all hear their biological clock ticking. They know an NFL career can be very, very brief. And they're going to, if they can, they're going to try to gut it out. And you need the organization, the coaching staff, and, and the front office to be the adult in the room and say, no, you know, I, I think a healthy player here might be the right thing. Let's save the player from himself. With Watson, I, I don't know for sure that he's going to be suspended. I mean, the NFL suspensions can a lot of times be totally implausible, just hard to understand. Obviously, they structured the contract, and that, maybe that's the ickiest part of this, is that, that you know, is, they structured yeah, the I contract agree. around yeah, that. I but I would, I would like, if I'm the Cleveland Browns, I think they need to have a a pretty good donut in the back of the car. You know, nobody, the NFL salary cap doesn't allow you. And just the way a locker room has to work and a franchise has to work. You can't have two great quarterbacks. It doesn't make sense. You need to have one clear leader and then, and kind of a secondary guy, but the best backup quarterback is somebody you have confidence in. It's like the donut in the back of your car. If I need to drive a hundred miles on this thing, I can do it. I can't drive Boston to LA on it, but I, I can, you know, withstand a day until I get into the garage, you know? I thought Case Keenan was that perfect donut, so I'm surprised they let him go because it's certainly 
realistic that maybe Deshaun Watson is going to have, I, I don't know, uh, multiple game suspension to start the year. Yeah, they bring in Jacoby Brissett on a one-year deal to replace uh, Case Keenum. I agree with you. Not it's a bad. little odd. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, he's a good backup quarterback as well. Like, not good in Miami last year behind a bad offensive line with a little bit of a, a not great running game, everything like that. But, uh, you know, in Cleveland, the ecosystem, and this is a big part of why, you know, obviously the money is what brought Deshaun Watson to Cleveland. But, you know, the reason that the agent was then going to take that contract and go to Cleveland well, instead of take that, like, let another team like Atlanta match that contract and then go to Atlanta is – Cleveland's roster is good. You know, their offensive line rocks. They've got a great running back and an entire great running back room with Nick Chubb. Maybe Kareem Hunt sticks on this roster for 2022. Dearness Johnson looked good last year. Um, they're remaking the wide receiver room. So I think if they got to start Jacoby Brissett six games, six plus games, which I would be surprised if, if Watson is suspended less than six games, just based on past examples like Ben Roethlisberger, Ezekiel Elliott, who were not tried criminally but um were uh you know still suspended for for off-field allegations i hate saying off-field allegations like read the stories if you want to go uh check it out but like similar situations where they weren't tried criminally those guys end up getting six roxburgers bumped down to four but zeke stuck at six so i kind of expect watson to get a suspension like that we're gonna see jacoby Brissett for that stretch of games most likely what happens with Baker Mayfield now? What happened? You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, sort of same thing. Like, it's basically just Panthers and uh, Seahawks that are kind of missing a starting quarterback right now. I mean, if you're a Panthers fan, God help you if you have to deal with like a Baker Mayfield v. Sam Darnold uh, training camp battle this summer. You know, I think with Garoppolo, maybe the Niners feel like they can just sit back and wait until, you know, some quarterback has a major injury and, and then work with 100%. something off that we know Carolina, they have to feel jilted because they, they've tried to be in on a lot of different guys and it, it hasn't worked out. Um, so I could see maybe one of those guys going there. Yeah. Also, I just want to mention in passing, and again, if you, I, I say this with the ambivalence because just talking about Watson as a football player, I'm, I'm not comfortable with it yet. I, you know, I know this is what we do and what you're coming here for, but I, it's just hard to just take him at face value right now. But eventually that division is going to have Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow and whatever Pittsburgh. And comes up with. I, I, I don't know if you want to, you want to sell anybody on, on, on Trubisky. He is walking into an offense at least has some interesting pieces in it. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah. So, you know, as much as the AFC West has become kind of the pole position division, uh, the, the AFC North is going to have some, some fun stuff in it too. But yeah, there aren't that many chairs left. I, were you surprised that, um, that Matt Ryan ended up in Indianapolis? Did you like that fit? I said last week, that not even knowing what the Colts were going to do a quarterback, just the fact that it wasn't Carson Wentz, I thought the Colts were the clear division favorite, and that we're all going to laugh and say, not not that the Titans are a joke or anything, but it's going to be like, oh, remember like last year when Tennessee was the number one AFC seed? I could easily see them missing the playoffs. <laughs> and right now, I think the Colts are, are probably, I would guess, probably the favorite over at BetMGM or any of the other books. I, I like the depth of that roster. A lot of things went wrong at the end of the year. Of course, it's embarrassing when you can't beat Jacksonville with a playoff spot on the line, but... I like their GM. I still think Frank Reich's a good coach just because he couldn't make it work with Carson Wentz. I, I think it's more of a statement about Wentz than it is about Reich. Matt Ryan, good enough. I mean, if I, I don't, again, some people may be like, oh, you trade for Matt Ryan. You know, he, how old is he? How many years does he have left? But they're trying something. Yeah. If, if the quarterback is better than Carson Wentz was last year, then the Colts are a better team. And, you know, you get in the playoffs, you know, the Bengals weren't the best team in the AFC by anybody's estimation. They went to the Super Bowl. I don't blame the Colts for, for going for Matt Ryan, even if it's a short window or it's destined to be 
you know, it's not going to be a long-term answer. Nobody sees like a five-year run for Matt Ryan in Indianapolis, but but why not make your quarterback room better? And why not position yourselves as the AFC South favorite? I love the Matt Ryan trade. It's for just a 2022 third round pick. Uh, obviously, you're already missing a first rounder because you had to send that to the Eagles with Carson Wentz. That stinks. But look, I, like they should, they should be, uh, the Colts should be mocked and panned and, and they should be, uh, they got to wear the disappointment of the Carson Wentz trade. But to come out here a year later uh, and they trade Wentz, they get the contract completely off their books, which is awesome. They get a couple third round picks. They ship that third round pick to uh, the Falcons to get Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is uh, Matt Ryan's better than Carson Wentz. Like I am very confident that Matt Ryan in this ecosystem will give them better than what Carson Wentz got last year. I think Matt Ryan can still play, uh, especially behind an offensive line that isn't, you know, they got a question at left tackle. I would love, they're not going to do it. I'd love for them to go and still like bring in a Teron Armstead or a Dwayne Brown or something like that. Uh, and just solidify that left tackle spot with all of that money. Chris Ballard's still winning the cap space wars. I, I don't know what that's going to get you. Maybe they can hang another da- a damn banner for that, but he's still winning the cap space wars. Would love to see them solve that left tackle spot, but this is still a very good offensive line. Even if it's not as good as it was at its peak. That's great for Matt Ryan. Like I said, I think Ryan from a mental perspective is going to give them similar to what they got out of Phillip Rivers. But I think that, you know, uh, Matt Ryan from an arm strength perspective is much better than Phillip Rivers. It's kind of like the compromise between the two worlds that they went with in 2020 and 2021 with Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz there. So I, I saw somebody on Twitter, I think it was uh, Lindsey Jones uh, from the athletic joked that, you know, that uh, the damn Colts starting quarterback position has become like the defense against the dark arts teacher and Harry Potter, right? Like we just every single year turning over a new leaf, but I think for this could potentially be a two-year fix here with Matt Ryan. That would be awesome. If they could get two seasons out of Matt Ryan while they continue to spin their wheels here and try to figure out the, the fix at this long term, that would be great. Uh, love, like, I'm a big Michael Pittman fan. Love Matt Ryan and Michael Pittman. That's an awesome marriage. I think from the disaster that was the Carson Wentz trade, if this is the outcome of it, that's a pretty good saving grace by the Colts there. Yeah, for sure. It almost reminds me of the office after Michael Scott left and just all the different people they tried in that big chair. And, <laughs> yes. and no, you know, nobody was a long term solution. But by the way, I haven't I haven't actually tried to come up with a historical answer to this, but this has to be the offseason that I can remember where there's been this much quarterback shuffling. Oh, it's got the, the quarterback is the, is the CPU of a whole team. Once you change quarterbacks, your, t- your team has completely changed its personality. And, and just look at how many teams have done that. And we're going to see a couple more moves probably before the season starts. So it, it's exciting. It's fun. It's different. There's things to unpack. And Matt Ryan's going to get into Indianapolis. But like, oh, wow, we can win games with defense and Jonathan Taylor. When's the last time I had this in Atlanta? I mean, yes, he, he did have a Hall of Fame career of Julio Jones, which was great. And, and Matt Ryan had that one MVP season. I think he's short of a Hall of Famer unless he does something really nice in this act at Indianapolis. But it's going to be a nice feeling where – and look, last year, look, I, I had a lot of fun with Cordero Patterson. He's a hybrid player. He had some moments as a running back. We know Mike Davis didn't work out. He turned out to be kind of a, a fantasy dead zone running back who let people down. But um, it's going to be nice to say, hey, I might have the best running back in, in football on his third year, right? We know we want to skew young at running back. Jonathan Taylor's in that sweet spot. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's almost like the nice retirement gig, right? It's like, okay, yeah. this is, this is going to be the final lap of my career. I, I walk into this infrastructure. I'm division favorite where I was, you know, we weren't going to be division favorites with the Falcons. I have a great running back. I, you know, 
we don't have that with the Falcons. We, we have a, a defense that can win a game. Uh, we have a coach who's got gravitas. We'll see if Arthur Smith works out as the head coach in Atlanta. It's a little bit too early to say that, but you know, he had some missteps in his first season. I mean, you know, Matt, Matt Ryan has to feel like he's you know, basically died and gone to heaven. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, and I know a lot of Falcons fans feel this way too, it's a really sad way for the Matt Ryan era to end um, that, like this was you got to remember the beginning it feels like a thousand years ago at this point but the beginning of the matt ryan era came because of the disaster that uh, was left between the michael vick and then bobby petrino fiascos there for the falcons like matt ryan came in there and stabilized the ship immediately like they during his kind of first few years there they had that awesome run with like michael turner you know then roddy white tony gonzalez julio jones like they've had a lot of fun teams there and then i think for falcons fans for it to end this way like because you pursued this guy and Deshaun Watson. And I, there were rumors that the Colts and the Falcons were talking about this trade all the way back to the combine. Sure, that's fine. But it comes on the heels of you were ready and willing to sell your soul to get Deshaun Watson. You don't. You ship off this guy who's been a rock solid guy for the franchise for just a third round pick. I mean, I saw Charles McDonald, who works at Underdog Fantasy now. Shout out to Charles, one of the best. Um, he said that like, you know, less like 365 days ago, You've got Matt Ryan, you've got Calvin Ridley, you've got Julio Jones, and then obviously they draft Kyle Pitts a few months later. But now Ryan, Jones, and Calvin Ridley all off the, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Calvin Ridley's probably never going to play for the Falcons again, all off the rosters, and not one first-round pick out of as a result of that? That sucks. That's hard for Falcons fans. Um, and you mentioned Arthur Smith back there with the Falcons. I mean, they signed Marcus Mariota uh, for a, to a two-year deal. That's fine. They do bring Cordero Patterson back. That is probably, I think that is easily the NFC's worst roster right now, and that offense looks like a nightmare. So it was basically, let's try to get to Sean Watson, and if that doesn't work out, I, I don't know. This looks like, you know, Mario and Cordero Patterson, Kyle Pitts, and the preseason boys right now in Atlanta. Yeah, you know, not to always bring things back to Tom Brady, but it used to be the long-running <laughs> joke that – you know, a, a, the AFC East, there was never a quarterback. Chad Pennington had moments and then his arm kind of went on him. But um, he was never challenged consistently by an AFC East quarterback. And as great as Brady was and the, the Patriots, a big part of their success was just that other franchises couldn't seem to get out of their own way. So Brady returns to the Bucks and he's looking around. Well, who do I got to beat? I'm going to beat Jameis Winston. I got to beat Marcus Mariota. I got to beat whatever the clown car the the Panthers come up with. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe if it all comes together for the Panthers, look at Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think Brady's going to be sweating about that. I mean, no. Tom, Tom Brady's not coming back to to go five and uh, five and twelve. I guess it is. I still hate these. Get back to sixteen games. I hate it's having hard. to yeah, you know, yeah, it's hard. have to make the seventeen games fit, but. Yeah, whatever it is. But, uh, you know, Tom Brady must be like, oh, yeah, Marcus Mariota. Fine. You know, he's like you know, Mr. Burns on The Simpsons, like excellent. You know, two games against Marcus Mariota. Two, you know, and you mentioned the Falcons, just how quickly there's the three guys they would have been selling to you. If you were like going into Atlanta to maybe buy season tickets, you know, the side of the stadium would have had photos of these three guys and they're all gone within a year in, in change. It just shows you the NFL windows are incredibly short so and true. tiny. I always joke that like if, if you man, if you decide if you went to Yahoo and said, you know what, I'm gonna write my my memoirs or I'm gonna write a novel, I'm gonna take a year off, I'm gonna go out of the country, I'm gonna unplug, I'm not gonna be on Twitter, I'm not gonna follow the NFL. If you came back a year later, you just wouldn't believe all the things that would be different. It just, oh yeah. And an yeah. NFL NFL years, it's like the ages of a dog, you know. It just you know, what what happened two or three years ago feels like ten years ago. 
I saw uh, Kyle Yates say this on uh, Twitter over the weekend. Like, hey, just a reminder, like Todd Gurley played was, you know, played for the Rams like two years ago or like was released by the Rams two years ago. Tim, like, hey, Kyle, shut the hell up, man. No way. He played for the Rams like two decades ago. That's what it feels like in terms of NFL times. So you're right. Like, imagine just imagine if you were like 365 days ago. That's a great point. It's an insane league right now. Um, and yeah, if, as for the Falcons, I mean. Good luck to Falcons fans. Number one, uh, you've been you've been punished quite a lot here in the last few years, and I'll maybe take Kyle Pitts uh, still as like a top five tight end because he's going to be getting. All, and I think because Marcus Mariota is a functional quarterback, and um, like he's about the only game in town right now. They'll obviously draft some receivers, but that'll be about it for me from a fantasy angle. With could the, you feel the Atlanta Falcons. Could, feeling any Mariota superflex juice or best ball juice? Uh, we saw. Yeah, I mean, this is unfair to mention this, but I mean, Ryan Tannehill was just a guy in Miami. He went to Tennessee. Things fell into place. Mariota was a, a high pick, a Heisman Trophy winner. The, the question was him or Winston in their draft class. Could you see him maybe having like a quarterback 14 season in him? I think that's in the range of possibility. The roster just stinks. I mean, that's the problem. Like if this was a average offensive line, it's not. If it was a... a slightly below average receiver room it's not it's the stone worst depth chart in the nfl at pass catcher maybe uh i mean i could see i could cert i certainly wouldn't be surprised if he's like a reasonable qb2 in best ball for you it's just it's such a it's such a such a bad roster now i think arthur smith is a good coach um and i think cordero patterson gives them obviously some juice bringing him back but I don't know. I'm not not too excited, Scott. Well, let's give the people what they want. Okay, so even we just admit, okay, the Falcons are a five-win, six-win team. We have to figure out when to draft Pitts. We have to figure out, if if at all, we have to figure out when to draft Patterson, who comes back, if at all. And I think Patterson is a case, I've said this before, that it, everybody's going to scream regression. Everybody's going to scream late career renaissance. So the I don't think the price is going to be exorbitant on, on Patterson. I think the market is going to say, nah, he's not going to do it again. But even then, I think I'm not likely to draft him. I'm more open to Pitts. How do you feel about these two guys as draft picks in 2022? I'm still fine with Pitts. You know, again, I think he's an awesome player. I think he's going to, he's going to dominate that target share there. Uh, I think he had a really good rookie year. Just obviously didn't score a lot of touchdowns. I mean, shoot, he might not score a lot of touchdowns on the uh, 2022 Falcons, the way that roster is looking. I still am comfortable with Pitts. Probably. I don't think his ADP will get aggressive. I think he's still probably going to fit into that like tight end five range, probably right around, if not, maybe a little bit of a discount to where he was at last year. And that feels pretty good. Patterson is tough. I mean, I think the more, not the more they used him, but the way they started to use him as like kind of a base back last year, sort of like crushed his fantasy value. Like he was a much bigger fantasy player when he was used as a receiving back, when he was used as kind of a gadget guy, but then he became more of their like early down banger. And that sort of sucked a lot of the appeal out of his fantasy value. So for me, I think it, it's going to depend on if they add another back. Um, You know, I, I don't know that Mike Davis is doing it for me at this point. So if I think if Patterson is like a seventh, eighth round pick, that that feels pretty pretty cool with me. Um, but if he goes higher than that, it's probably a pass for me as well. And I know this will be the probably the consensus opinion, but it's just it's comically unlucky for Kyle Pitts to have the season he had last year and only scored yes, one touchdown. 100%. You just yeah, he's he's got to score even by accident. He has to score four to six touchdowns this year with the upside to maybe do better than that. And of course, we're still waiting for that first American touchdown because I believe his his only touchdown came yes. in the London game. So maybe the Falcons can you know maybe Kyle Pitts you know he, he has a, a British 
element to his game. You know, some golfers play better on links golf courses. You know, maybe Kyle Pitts is a, is a London tight end, but um, he's, he's the more interesting commodity here uh, for me based on expected ADP than, than Patterson. hundred uh, percent. You mentioned the Titans earlier. I like a lot of what the Titans have done this off season. I love the trade for Robert Woods. They get him for a six round pick. Uh, and they sign Austin Hooper. Like I know Hooper is going to not make a ton of headlines here or whatever, but that's a as flawed of a player as Austin Hooper might be. He certainly wasn't worth the free agent deal that he got from Cleveland. <laughs> that's a big step up to go from like Anthony Ferkser and, and those goofballs they had last year to Austin Hooper. Like that's a, he's a functional starting tight end. That's just, that's exactly what they need. And th- like he could give them what Johnny Smith gave them from like a production angle a few years ago, certainly. Uh, and then the Robert Woods trade, is a salary it's a salary move only for the Rams. I mean, I know that people in LA love Robert Woods. He's an LA guy. He went to USC. He was such a great signing for them. He did so much for their offense. But they signed Allen Robinson, who, by the way, I mean, shout out to us, longtime Allen Robinson fans. We finally get him in a good offensive ecosystem. He's the clear wide receiver too there. Ship it. Love Allen Robinson this year. It signals a change in the LA Rams. They're going to more of like a pass first look. They're not going to do all this like motion uh, run heavy stuff that was part of the Robert Woods identity, but what a, what a great spot for Robert Woods to land in a team that still does a lot of that stuff in uh, Tennessee. You know, they want to be a physical team. They want to run the ball. That's great for Robert Woods. And as long as he's healthy, I think this will be a really, he's, it's not going to be a huge fantasy season from him there. Um, I still think new, AJ Brown has like nuclear potential this year and basically every year until he retires, like he's going to have that explosive season. I don't think Robert Woods changes that, but I'll tell you what, Scott, Robert Woods is a bajillion times better fit uh, in Tennessee than Julio Jones was. Cause it was pretty clear Mike Vrabel and Julio Jones. That did not, that, that marriage was, was frosty from, from basically the beginning. Yeah. It was sad to see. Well, kind of the point we might forget the year that Julio Jones spent in Tennessee, if he has any kind of a final act somewhere else, but Tennessee did never, never forget were. Randy Moss played for the Titans. So, I mean, this is like a theme here. That's one of the greatest great. ones, right? Yeah, That's one of my favorite great. things to do is just to remember, you know, that Ken Griffey Jr. was on the White Sox. You know, Manny Ramirez was on the um, Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Wayne Gretzky played about two months with the St. Louis Blues, lost a great playoff series to the Detroit Red Wings in seven. Uh, Eisenman just ripped a beauty uh, game winner in the <laughs> under the bar in game seven. Uh, you know, football examples, you know, yeah, we're, we're too young for this, but Joe Namath was on the Rams. Yeah. Um, Jerry Rice was on the Seahawks. Um, Tony Dorsett was on the Broncos. On Terrell on Owens, the Bills, the Seahawks. He had like a couple of those weirdo teams uh, too there. <laughs> yeah, Ter- Terrell Owens in Buffalo. Chad Chad Johnson on the Patriots. Oh, boy. Um, you know, Phil and I, there's probably some great examples I'm missing of just guys who you had a cup of coffee here. I did what was Tory Holt. He actually played for the Patriots. I don't. The Patriots have loved to, to bring in almost anybody who was good five years ago and give them at least a Joey Galloway was there very briefly. But uh, yeah, Joey Randy Galloway Nelson on was, the Bucks, man, that was a. I had a huge fantasy year out of Joey Galloway on the Bucks that one time. He was well. John Gruden loves to feature his number one receivers, and a lot of you, a lot of Ohio State receivers actually had really good second acts. You know, Terry Glenn aged the late Terry Glenn aged very well in the second half of his career. And Galloway was outstanding in his 30s and in a position now where, and I'm curious where you draw the line now at receiver. You know, we mentioned Adams turning 30. I mean, I'm, I'm at the point where I don't want second contract running backs. I'm, I'm certainly not that, you know, that's not how my math works with that receiver. But I wonder at what point in the 30s you start to get worried about these guys. And I'm curious what you say about that. But back By to the, the Titans. You mentioned, you just, uh, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. But 
Torrey Holt, 2009, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, 103 targets, 51 catches. I remember none of those. <laughs> no, I, I don't remember none of those targets. I, none, none of, not a single, not a single one, not a single one. I mean, that is like that. That's like what that was like the David Garrard, yeah, David Garrard era for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, well, the only reason why I'll say this: the reason why Holt wasn't better at the Jaguars, I am going to blame that on Urban Meyer. I'm just going to my, my memory is just going <laughs> to say enough. that anything's ever gone wrong in Jacksonville was Urban Meyer's fault. I don't think we'll get pushback on that. Back to the Titans, though they. They do what we want. You know, the NFL has rules. They have a thing called a salary cap. What do the Titans do? Some unbelievable thrift shopping, right? Now, Austin Hooper, we know the moment he went to Cleveland, he was overpaid. They had a very crowded tight end room. They could never really decide, you know, how do we really feel about David and Joku? One day it feels like they don't like him. One day it feels like they do. They have third tight ends that get involved. So Austin Hooper was overpaid. It, it was never a great fit. Doesn't work out. They scoop him up on the cheap. Great move. The Rams. Salary cap hell. They need to shed salary. They have too many receivers. They they add Robinson, which is great. We'll see what happens with Beckham, although he's obviously a free agent. But so Woods is expendable. The Titans come in. Again, we we have a number one. We don't need Robert Woods to be Pro Bowl Robert Woods. And right. I know you and I have been Robert Woods got guys going back to the Buffalo days, going back to the USC days. But Again, they're coming in at the right time, and they just need him to be a support player. If they could get 906 out of Woods, if they could get, you know, 625 and four or five out of Hooper, they'd take that, you know? And that's totally. what this offense already has, two alphas. Uh, presumably, Derrick Henry would, would be healthy next year. I hope he has another couple of years left. And and we're all waiting for A.J. Brown to go nuclear on the league. So I think the Titans very, you know, the, did they go out and make – the magazine splash moves or the, you know, the headline of the website moves or, you know, the, you know, there was no breaking news. Yahoo, in, you know, intercede when they signed yeah. Robert Woods, you know, or when they added Austin Hooper, they're not winning that war, but they're quietly. <laughs> Editors did not hit, hit me up for an instant re- recap on the right. Robert right. Woods yeah. Thing. You weren't, you weren't, your dinner wasn't interrupted. Say, Hey man, we need you to tape a video. We need you to write an article. We need to, there's no emergency podcast for Robert Woods or Austin Hooper now, but Two really good values. I mean, sometimes, you know, get just getting a good value is enough in the NFL. And this is a game about depth and roster and you know, how did how do players fit in your salary structure? I think they're two excellent moves that are going to get overshadowed. I mean, there's a reason why they're at the end of this podcast, not at the beginning of this podcast, but it just shows the infrastructure and the intelligence in that Tennessee locker room. Yep, knowing your identity is huge, and I love the way you phrase it as as thrift shopping. That makes a ton of sense to me. Um, speaking of thrift shopping, speaking of uh, some of the, just the bargains, let's go through some of these uh, like rapid. We can go rapid fire. You can take whichever one you want here uh, for some of these last signings in the last like ten minutes of the show. Here, um, we talked Marcus Mariota and Jacoby Brissett uh, to uh, the Atlanta Falcons and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, let's Jameis Winston back to the Saints. You know they miss out on Deshaun Watson. They just go right back to Jameis. Um, how are we feeling about uh, with Winston with the New Orleans Saints? You talk about the, the office with without Michael Scott. Like that feels what the Saints are kind of doing. Like, oh, we lost Sean Payton. Like, uh, seems like kind of a big deal. But let's just elevate our entire coaching staff up a, up a rung. Like, let's bring back Jameis. Let's just try to run back this thing for a couple more seasons here. Yeah, I don't think Andy Bernard can save the Saints, but Jameis Winston played a lot better last year than I think most people remember. 
And by default, the Saints are probably the second best team in this division. Remember, their defense, the one thing I had talked about Tom Brady's cushy landing in that division, the one thing he hates, Tom Brady's kryptonite is the Saints defense. defense, They're probably the reason why he didn't win the MVP last year. He has that primetime game against New Orleans in Tampa Bay. And I feel like that game could have gone on for seven hours and the Buccaneers wouldn't have scored. I mean, the Saints just ate Tampa Bay's lunch that day. So they still have a good defense. And I think people forget that Winston played pretty well last year when he was healthy. This is not what New Orleans wanted. It wasn't their primary pick. Sometimes it's a love the one you're with situation. That's what they're going to do with Winston. I'm okay with it. Yeah, totally. And I, I don't think it, you know, precludes them from making another move at quarterback, but that's still like 28 million over two years for Jameis. That's the low end. That's kind of like low end starter money. So I think it makes sense. And I'm still very curious about the Michael Thomas, Jameis Winston marriage there. So we're, we're going to get it a year later. Probably lacks a lot of the juice it would have uh, in 2021, but I'm still. Are you confident the Saints and Thomas? Are, that's something that can be saved. I mean, I, they were in. It looked like they were in headed towards divorce court not that long ago. I mean, do you feel confident right. that Thomas would be a Saint this year? I think so. I mean, originally, like you said, yeah, it seemed like heading into this off season, it might be kind of it might be kind of frosty. They might go their separate ways. Then all the reports were, you know, Thomas is coming back they restructure his contract to the point that like, you know, they save themselves cap room, which they do with everybody on that roster. But it looked like that. And then, and then when, uh, after Deshaun chose Cleveland, I know I saw Michael Thomas tweet out, like, don't blame him. Hashtag who dat. And I'm like, oh, geez, God almighty. We, can we just figure this out. So I, I would, my, I'm like 90% confident that he's back with the saints, but I'll leave 10% open there that something else weird. Happens. We talked about this NFL news cycle. So they don't match up to what a regular life cycle feels like. I mean, what, it wasn't that long ago that Michael Thomas was the answer. Who's the best receiver in football? You would have spit out Michael Thomas, or you right. could have at least done that. Yeah. All the black ink on his football reference page. And now it feels like he's been off the map for five years. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen Michael Thomas operate his peak. That's 100% true. Running backs here. I think I've, we talked Patterson already. You know, Damian Williams to the Falcons, too. I'm interested to see if Damian Williams plays a role there. If Maybe he's that base back. Uh, so usurps that role from uh, Mike Davis. Who knows? Uh, Duke Johnson's the replacement for JD McKissick doesn't really work out. I, I don't know that that's going to be like a huge thing uh, for, for the bills clearly want like a pass catching back, but um, I think they could still look to the draft there. The two big ticket items, Rashad Benny back to the Seattle Seahawks one year, $5.8 million deal. I kept joking that they would franchise tag him. It's only about $3 million less uh, from the running back franchise tag to what Penny's going to get this year. Uh, and then Leonard Fournette, this one's pretty big. Back to the Bucks, three years, $21 million. Where are you drafting Leonard Fournette this year? Because, um, I mean, I think he's like still a low-end RB1 back in this role. Yeah, for sure. Somewhere like running back 11 and running back 15. I think he'll probably be in that area. We know Tom Brady plays favorites. He's got a circle of trust. Leonard Fournette proved to be in it. And man, what a guy. Talk about a guy who's really reshaped his career. I mean, he was yeah. run out of town in Jacksonville. They just said, get out of here. You know, um, for, forget yeah, that final seriously. season. We're not resigning you. We don't want you. And he ends up beating a cast of thousands in Tampa Bay and becomes the the featured back and then resigns for a decent contract. Given, given where he is in the arc of his career, that's pretty decent money for Fournette. That is, yeah. And really nice. they're obviously loading up. I mean, you know, Brady's not a long-term solution there. They have to go for it now. And uh, I think Fournette is somebody I could draft proactively. I like that there is a, there is a leak out there that Penny said no to, to better offers. I mean, nice job by his agent, you know, using the media to make it sound like there were just teams clamoring for Rashad Penny. But, hey, whatever. He was good. Last year, he was a nice post-hype story, a first-round pick that nobody ever really understood, but he started to play like that last year. Exciting to see that. 
with Duke Johnson, it's like you know, Buffalo has so many talented skill players that you know, we're going to forget Duke Johnson's on the roster, and then he's going to have some game week nine where it's going to be like, oh yeah, Duke Johnson, you know, out of nowhere had 138 total yards and three touchdowns, and one person played him in the Millie Maker or something, and and then you know we'll have to talk about him on free agent pickups, and the next week he'll get three touches, and we'll just forget that Duke Johnson exists anymore. But um, what, what you know, it's he's a nice stand-in for JD McKissick. They're kind of the same player. Uh, McKissick isn't the featured player in Washington, and, and obviously Johnson won't be. I'm trying to think anything else here that looks interesting. Boston Scott is going to play a 27-year career with the Eagles. It feels like he's been there forever. Um, I don't really have much to say about that. And you know, Damian Williams, like, could he could he be? Do you think there's 10 touches a week for Damian Williams in Atlanta? If that's the case, on volume alone, he'll have some fantasy value. I just don't think there's any upside for Williams. Yeah, I completely agree with you uh, on that. But side note, I probably would have won my dynasty league last year if I had started Duke Johnson that random blow up game right, with the right, Dolphins right. last year. I would have advanced. Uh, yeah, but alas, what can we do there? Um, I'm with you on Leonard Fournette, man. Like, I think he's not going to be a first round pick in fantasy. If he was a second round pick, that's probably like good. That's probably about appropriate for his outlook as Tampa Bay's feature back. But like, if he gets to the third round, like stamp it every single time I'd take him in the third round and yeah Penny like if he was coming back to the Russell Wilson Seahawks I'd be like cool that's a I'm interested in Rashad Penny but the fact he's coming back with Chris Carson there too and like Pete Carroll's really 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 trying to tell you that he likes Drew Locke that's going to be a pass for me on the Rashad Penny experience in 2020 I think I think you have that diagnosed correctly yeah. And then lastly here, wide receivers, Jamison Crowder to the Bills, Zach Pascal to the Eagles, Laquan Treadwell back to the Jacksonville Jaguars, James Washington to Dallas, I, I think is pretty interesting. I like James Washington as a player. You know, Dallas, obviously, they trade Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, probably not going to, I would guess, not going to be ready to like be 100% in week one. I kind of like this signing. Like, I think James Washington is like a, a late round best ball pick right now is a pretty awesome Pretty awesome pick because they lose Cedric Wilson, too. They have a real big hole at wide receiver behind Lamb and an injured Michael Gallup. James Washington could be a solution for them, provided they don't draft somebody really, really high. In, in uh, Yeah, I, I play in one league where it's 20 teams. We all draft 20 players. Everybody counts, and there's no free agent pickups. And I used to joke that it's a Muhammad Sanu league because anytime you can find somebody who gets like 825 <laughs> and 5, it's valuable. Yeah. And I can see James Washington doing that, like having value 100%. in this like really deep league or in best ball leagues, but it's not – week to week reliable enough that maybe he becomes, you know, he, again, Andy and I may talk about him six different times on pickups, but he'll, he'll never really pop. You know, Liz may, you know, pop him as a sleeper a couple of times, but I don't know that he'll be somebody, he'll probably be somebody who's rostered by seven different managers in your league. That's the, but it doesn't mean he's in a good player and you know, it's good for the Dallas offense. Remember they led the league in scoring last year. It seems strange because a lot of players didn't make their ADP back, but um, there's a lot of talent in that offense. And Jamison Crowder is one of these guys He's just he's just a, he's a glue guy. He's a base player. You know, he's not going to be the signature player in the offense. We know obviously they have a, a front line guy in Diggs, and then and they made the investment. And um, I'm blanking on the guy with the four touchdowns against Kansas City, the receiver, Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis, of course. Yeah, we're all excited about Gabe Davis season. And you know, Allen's going to run in a handful of touchdowns. Singletary ended the season on such an upswing, but Crowder's another guy. You know, he he's going to have like you know he's going to be maybe. 85 to 90 percent of what cole beasley was a, a year ago the good yeah. version of cole beasley uh, professional route runner gets open you, can win on those option routes you know a great guy to throw to on third and five for a seven yard catch i don't know there'll be a ton of fantasy juice but but man i i, I think right now 
this is probably just an obvious take. It's not a hot take. I mean, Buffalo has to be the, the AFC favorite, maybe even the Super Bowl favorite. Their roster A to Z just looks absolutely I, I know that we have to figure out how the offense works without Brian Dable, but you know, they did hire within from within. But uh what a what, they now I know they feel like, hey, we had it last year. We had that game one, we would have beaten Cincinnati, we would have beaten the Rams. We'll never know those second two things. But right now it's a pretty good time to be a Buffalo Bills fan because their roster starting with the most important thing, the quarterback, and going all the way through, look at the defense. They had the, the Pro Bowl guys on the back end. Uh, they are an unbelievably constructed football team that, that I think is uh, you know has to be the favorite right now to, to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, their general manager, Brandon Bean, was on the Pat McAfee show, and I think Pat was joking with him, like, what, well, the Colts will give you anything you want. You know, what will it take to get Josh Allen? And Brandon Bean said, I would trade myself before I traded Josh Allen. So, uh, yeah, I think that that makes a ton of sense there. Uh, yeah, no, look, I, I think it's a, it's a great signing, of, of course, to bring Jameson Crowder and to kind of replace uh, Cole Beasley there, but not a ton of fantasy juice. And, uh, it, look, if you're if you are worried – if you're Gabe Davis like backer and you're worried that oh Jamison Crowder might block Gabe Davis, if Jamison Crowder blocks Gabe Davis from having that breakout season, Gabe Davis was never going to have that breakout season because he's not exactly. good enough to be that player. And uh, Buffalo might still draft a receiver high, so I like Gabe Davis. Just don't go crazy just yet. But like if we get out of April draft and there's no new receiver like in round one, round two for the Bills, like yeah, Gabe Davis is going to have that season. I think if he is that player, which. I'm still kind of deciding if I think he is that player or not. What yeah. ADP makes sense for Gabe Davis right now in your mind? Provide it again. Let's assume let's live in a universe where they don't draft a receiver in like round one or round two. I don't think they're going to. I, I feel pretty confident they won't. But let's yeah, let's go on that I, assumption. I yeah, I I, th- I don't think so either. But there's enough like whispers of it and enough like people mocking it that it, I kind of at least like think maybe. But still, let's live in that universe. Round five six. I like it. Make- yeah, that yeah. seems fair. And I that's and where I, think- I would take the plunge. I, I would consider him in five and in round six would be like, oh, wow, I just considered him a minute ago. He's still here. Snap, snap call. Yeah, 100 percent. All right, Scott. Well, I think that is going to do it for us. That was a ton of ton of stuff this uh, this episode. A lot of stuff has happened since last this podcast was recorded. So 100 uh, percent. Thank you for joining me. Uh, what do you got coming up for the people that they can check out? Yeah, doing a lot of NCAA basketball, doing a lot of fantasy baseball. There's still plenty of time to do your fantasy baseball league on Yahoo. So, um, you know, baseball hoops, the NFL, it's, uh, it never stops. And that's, I say that is a good thing. Come, uh, you know, hopefully your, your, uh, sweet 16 is still intact. I told people to oh. bet on Villanova, which was good. Told people Please. to bet on Kentucky, which was not so good. Although we got to see history. There you go. Well, pe- people love to see pe- people will, uh, will love a one, one good, one bad, you know, a little bit of balance there, Scott. We love to see it. All right. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. More importantly, you can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. And of course, make sure you're following the entire crew over there at Yahoo Fantasy. Andy and Dalton, not Andy Dalton, Andy Barron's and uh, Dalton Del Don. Yeah, we, can't, we, can't have that. we can't have them work together. That <laughs> yeah, just sounds like the Andy Ooh. Dalton show. Who paired that podcast up? I mean, I'm sure uh, Andy Barons will make about a hundred Andy Dalton jokes on that podcast. So um, that's just how he's dealing with the with with his sadness over there. So that's that is what it is. We can't uh, shame people too much for how they deal with grief. The Andy Dalton QB one season, love to see that. Uh, okay, all right, they'll be back with another episode on Thursday, and we'll see if any more trades happen between now and then. I'm sure we'll get something. I'm sure the NFL will give us something. But until then, we're out.
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.